The world is in crisis. The Galactic Lyceum has dispatched an alien armada to Earth in search of their missing leader. Upon entering Earth's orbit, they are met by the legions of the Stratoplex, cybernetic life forms from the future. The battle began over the human city of Chicago, but has since spread to all corners of the planet and beyond. has fallen into chaos and cries out for a savior. In this moment of uncertainty, what heroes will rise to the challenge? Hey, true conceivers, welcome back to the Heroic Origins podcast. I'm Terrence. And I'm Dave. And we're just two comic book nerds doing what we love to do. Make, make up, up new superheroes. superheroes. <laughs> I'll sync it up in post. Okay. Today, we have a special guest, Kelly Cowling, the executive director of Gray Haven's Philosophy, a pre-college and community philosophy nonprofit. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, um, (laughs) why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with uh, superheroes and comic books? You know, I'm a huge um, sci-fi nerd and to a lesser extent, a a fantasy nerd. Um, So, you know, my superheroes are like Captain Picard and the Doctor. Um, And I I never really read comic books, partly because I'm not a very visual person. And sometimes I feel like I have trouble following the storyline. And I never watched superhero movies um, until I started teaching pre-college philosophy. And um, we use books and popular culture to talk about philosophy. So we read Superman Red Sun, um, a graphic novel in which Superman lands in Soviet Russia instead of in Kansas. Is Superman from Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> sure. And then, you know, I also, I, and so I love that. And I, I got into graphic novels um, and I got into superheroes and the kids were all really into Marvel movies. And I wanted to like, keep up with the kids and know what they were talking about. So I started watching Marvel movies and I absolutely fell in love. And then to a lesser extent, um, the comic books. And, you know, previously I had read Star Trek comic books and Star Wars and Planet of the Apes. Um, But I really didn't discover superheroes until I was in my 40s. Wait, 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 wait. Planet of the Apes comic books? I didn't yes, even know they had those. There's a Planet of the Apes Star Trek crossover, which really? I have not wow. yet read. I need to actually go onto Amazon okay. after this. And That's buy a great that. mashup. I'd have to check that out. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. There's a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover, too. Huh. I have seen that. I have seen that. I, I read Doctor Who comics. So. <laughs> oh, do you now? Yes. Okay. They're very entertaining. All right, well, Kelly, it's great to have you on the show, and why don't we uh, j- jump into it here. Let's uh, tell you a little bit how the process works. We're going to take a random word, and then we're going to riff on that until we come up with a fully fleshed-out superhero. Then we'll see how that hero fits into our robots versus aliens storyline. We've given ourselves a time limit, two 10-minute regulation brainstorming periods separated by a superhero sidebar. If we still haven't finished our hero by then, we'll do a lightning round with two additional minutes per category and one two-minute revision period. After that, we'd love to get your input on the character. Now get ready, because it's it's collaborating collaborating time. time!
right, as is custom, we are going to pull up a random word and use that as our jumping off point for uh, brainstorming this new hero. We do have, each of us has a veto, so if we don't like the word, we can move on to another, and as is tended to be the case, we're probably going to look at a couple different words before we decide. So, the first random weird word. Anastrophe. Anastrophe. Reversing or inverting word order as rhetorical device. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting. I don't so, know how that would translate as a power. <laughs> well, reverse, I mean, you know, rearranging people's word orders, that actually could be kind of powerful. Kind of like a, kind of like projected dyslexia in some ways. <laughs> I can make you talk like Yoda. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but it, it may not even be that, but it's just like, um, you know, just rearranging people's words would be kind of a powerful power, right? I mean, you could make people say stuff that they're not actually, it would be sort of like ventriloquism. Or Maybe. you could, hmm. yeah, it's also the fact that it's a rhetorical device. So if you use it yourself, you could be highly persuasive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, I mean, do we want to keep looking or do you, what are you guys feeling? Should I do another random word? We are using the, uh, we are uh, using the services of randomwordgenerator.com. Check them out. They have a whole bunch of different random word generators, random question generators, random picture generators they got a lot of different a lot of different mm -hmm. things and I, I i get a lot of great use out of it in a variety of ways uh all right we're gonna come up with our second word here differi differi <laughs> differ you know they don't use pronunciation here which is too bad differiation the roman form of divorce <laughs> i'm curious what I'm does that actually ancient rome yeah <laughs> i'm presuming that's ancient rome but I don't know. Maybe it actually is contemporary Rome. We don't really, we shouldn't presume, perhaps. Um, Go to Rome to get a quickie divorce. <laughs> well, well, it could just be the word. Maybe it's just a maybe Rome. it's just a Latin, not even Latin, but Italian word for divorce. Is it a form of divorce or just a synonym for not a synonym, but the the? I think it's a form of divorce, a type of divorce. You know, this is the thing. This this <laughs> yeah. This, so what does that mean? Look it up. Yeah. It comes up with it comes up with the weird words, but it's not always the best for the definition. So let's take a look. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, are you guys feeling like this is the word that's going to create our superhero? A cake. A cake was used. A cake was what? <laughs> Defariation. Uh, a spelt cake. Okay. Uh, was a form of divorce in which a cake was used. <laughs> Defariation was properly the dissolving of marriages contracted by confariation which were those of the pontifices pontifices uh festus says it was performed with a wheaten cake and that it was called defariation from far wheat Vin <laughs> confariation and defariation are the same thing oh that's interesting this is like flammable and inflammable okay I'm gonna I'm gonna nix this one this one but I wait but wait yeah, but wait but if you go back into our history of our world here you know you've got your um gourmages we have a series of, of oh, traditions true. that are all based on culinary um culinary skills I guess. yeah yeah kelly this culinary. is yeah we have a whole <laughs> we have the whole system of um competitive culinary schools and they have they, they all basically create magical foods and and it's like 
magic in this world is is mostly an artistic endeavor, not a not like a superhero type of thing. But they, you know, but occasionally might delve into this. But there's a we came up with a character called the Saucier Supreme, and she, you know, specializes in uh, sauces and dishes that that are built around sauces, and she has a whole school. And then there's there's a group called the Baker's Dozen, Baker's Dozen, which was a bakery school that uh, had a horrible magical accident, and they they all like thirteen personalities merged into six bodies, and they're the super schizophrenic kind of. Uh, not really a super villain team, but just kind of a chaotic team. Right. Anyway, but well, but maybe magic... if you gave them a a Wheaton cake, then they would unmerge. That, they maybe that's that's they right. Might the differentiation. <laughs> so it'd be it's not like the cake boss. It'd be like the cake. Uh, well, who who do how do you if you're trying to get a divorce? What do you? What's the office that you go to? I, I don't know. Go, I don't know. You go to court. You just yeah, go to court there... in arbitration. Mm -hmm. So it could be like the cake, the 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 cake arbitrator or something. The arbitrator of cake. Cake, cake court. Cake court. Cake court. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Okay. Okay. So that's possible. Okay. But I want to look at least at one more word. So yes, efferent, carrying outward or away. Efferent. Efferent. I'm not super enthused by any of the, these words this time. Yeah, yeah, they are not it. great words, I gotta say. So, okay, so those are our words. We've got anastrophe, which is reversing or inverting word order as rhetorical device. That's my favorite. Differiation, uh, if I'm pronouncing that cor correct, which is a Roman form of divorce that involves cakes in some fashion. <laughs> and efferent, which means carrying outward or away. I mean, efferent. You kind of. I, my my first thought is like some winged winged creature that carries things. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just like cargo transport of some sort. Which is too. How many how many flying characters do you have? I I don't think there should be any more flying characters. But you don't get many characters that their sole purpose is flight and transport. You yeah, know? because you they're get, lame. It's like the yeah, angel. exactly. But <laughs> but they're they serve a purpose and they are kind of. I mean, they aren't really lame. They are kind of cool. I. I Kelly, you are you know, our guest. Do, yeah. Are you leaning towards any of these words? Do they speak, I, any of them speak to you? I really like anastrophe. I like anastrophe. the sounds. I like yeah. the sound of that word, actually. That is true. That is true. It's a good sounding word. <laughs> All right. Well, Terrence, do you have any strong feelings? No, no. I I did like the cake court, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that you know could exist just in my head canon anyway. Well, we could always, that could always come in later. I mean, yeah, that's, these things don't have to be, they can still come in. Okay. All right. But I think we're going to, we're going to call it for an astrophe. All right. We are going to go into the first brainstorming period. We're going to have 10 minutes to come up with a character. And uh, so anastrophe, reversing or inverting word order is rhetorical uh, device. So this person manipulates words in some way, right? Like it. What what are you thinking? So I mean, what's the? How does that work? Does this person is this person a ventriloquist? Is this person able to replace words? Well, they could also just be a very literary like person, you know, a, an English maybe, teacher, professor. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah, that I like that, and maybe um, they also just use the right words in the right order all the time. So they're always saying the right thing. They always so have it, the right thing to say. Is that, a, is that a psychic power, or are they able to 
is it is it like a Tower of Babel type of thing where whatever they say, everybody hears that it's said in the perfect way? Is it a situation where the person psychic has to psychically imagine what the person wants to hear? Uh, what what's our mechanism here, or is this person just, or is there something about, is this person got? It's not so much the word choice, but the there's some sort of pheromone that's released that makes everybody feel like he's saying the right thing. Or I she. Like it could be a she. He or she. We don't know. But they could just be extraordinarily literary. So they have memorized every interesting or useful quote ever. And they have really good empathy and they just know exactly what people need to hear or what needs to be said. Okay, and so is this a is this a power then, or is it this 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 person just extremely eloquent? I think it's a power because it would involve a, a really amazingly good memory, and then being able to sense not only what people need to hear, but what the situation calls for which could be sort of psychic, but it also could be just like, um, just the ability to notice everything that's going on around you and think really quickly. And then, and then there's the eloquence. Kind of like yeah. a cosmic, like emotional awareness. Yes. I love that. Cosmic emotional awareness. Cosmic emotional awareness. Okay. 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 They could have like a third eye that glows and then Ooh. the right words just flow out of their mouth. Glowing third eye. <laughs> Does this person always look that way or just when using his or her power? Just when using their power, I think. Okay, and you and somebody said this was a professor? Yeah, somebody... I like that professor of literature. Yeah. Ooh, can they be a philosopher? Of course, absolutely. <laughs> philosophy and literature, or just philosophy, or just philosophy, or philosophy of literature. How about philosophy? Is there and a? Literature? I was gonna say, is there like a philosophy library, like any position where, you know, you would be in that, you know, maintaining well, all the books of philosophy? Is this a, if this is cosmic emotional awareness? Is this person human or an alien? Alien. Okay, Definitely I mean, because that, that we, we've, I mean, because it's cosmic. I mean, this could be. Or, We've got our ant. We have a character already who is uh, a antiquarian for the uh, Museum of Celestial History, right? So that means they're like, and we've got the Lyceum, which is a uh, uh, the 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 Galactic Empire that's that's invading Earth right now is a educational based. That's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> empire is what they do. Is they they're basically structured like a university system. And they go around there. We're like, we're going to educate you and make you, and make you better, but we're not going to give you a choice about it. And like so there's there's the other superhero that we have is actually part of a, a educational system, a museum system, but it's 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 a more free system. It's not as imperial. So I mean, they could be part of a of a different cosmic uh, system, or it could be somebody that works within the Lyceum, but is actually like a uh agent anyway i'm just tying in i like know. i I like the idea that um when they were young that it's a human and when they were um a teenager they always thought of the right thing to say when it was too late 
So after the bully had already walked away, they thought of the right thing to say. And somehow they educated themselves and wished themselves and got into contact with some sort of cosmic force so that they would never have to go through that again. So they were like like a radioactive book of rhetoric. They were they they read a radioactive book of rhetoric and suddenly they were they were super competent at uh, interlocution. I don't know. I'm thinking of like the Phoenix saga where this cosmic entity found the one single person in all of the universe that you know aligned with it and took over that or oh, became part of that person. So we it's could kind of like make that. Some... They were just a beacon for this cosmic entity that finally was like, yes. So it's it's a human that has been merged with a cosmic, either a cosmic entity or some sort of cosmic power. Uh, I think a cosmic entity named Anastrophea. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and like Anastrophea is one of the, the pantheon of word-related gods. <laughs> Oh, you know, I actually, I love that idea. I love the idea that there are linguistic gods, you know, uh, you know, cause there's, uh, I mean, why, why not? I mean, linguistics is such a powerful thing. So, uh, part of yeah, there's the God of puns, there's the God <laughs> of, of, of poetry. Nobody wants to hang out with the God of puns though. So these are supporting characters. God of puns. <laughs> god of poetry what do you think about this terrence i love this okay i think it's great i think it's great i mean there's uh uh you know like god of adverbs yeah <laughs> i love it i don't know there's uh, that's interesting that's interesting what are other what are other uh we're under three minutes here but what are what are some other let's let's talk about this pantheon i actually love this uh so is okay so if is this a is it an astrophia sort of a goddess of rhetoric then Yes, absolutely. There's like the the goddess of annoying jingles that you can't get out of your head. Or earworms, like, the earworms. Earworms, yeah, earworms god goddess of earworms. We will have to revisit that. I think that's, but, but I like the idea that they have, well, I mean, there's also like, you know, uh, subjects, predicates. Uh, there's all sorts of things about language that, uh, yeah. symb right. symbols, uh, yeah. there's all sorts of different types of language. I, I, interesting the god That's... of tropes i think you should have just a just a god of the parts of speech and then a god of tropes maybe i mean metaphors yeah kind of. yeah like metaphors illusions similes. yeah 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 there's so many di we okay we could spend the whole episode taking that apart yeah. i think <laughs> but we've got the basic idea there that this is so we have uh the goddess of, of rhetoric uh has taken over a philosophy a professor of philosophy or is it, has merged with the... This is the second episode in a row where we're going to have two entities kind of merging. Uh, um, yeah. Which is but... fine. But I like that. Um, interesting. Okay, so... This is our first pantheon, though. So, <laughs> nice. Current... Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, so the background was this person... Oh, well, let's just... Let's quick. Let's come up with a name for our... Well, we've got the name for the... Anastrophia is the name of the heroic persona. What's the name of the civilian? Hmm. Do we want to look up a word, a name that means stutter or something or stammer? <laughs> like, what's the name meaning? Do we awkward? have a place? Like yeah, a... I was thinking awkward. 
Okay, and we've decided, I think we've decided this is a, a woman or a female. Let's see, baby girls. Yes. Okay. Uh, beautiful snake. <laughs> she who is ignored, Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra, <laughs> oh, that they, should be it. You yeah. want to do Cassandra? Okay, we're going to do yeah. Cassandra. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Hey. <laughs> That's the alarm. That's the alarm going off, which means time it's time for us to take a break. I think we did really well. I think we did extremely well. Well, we'll be back. We're going to take a short break here to do our superhero sidebar. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll finish up the, uh, the brainstorming segment. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome to the superhero sidebar. Today we're going to be talking about vigilanteism and collateral damage. So Kelly, you came up with this this question, and I, because it comes up in your your uh, your groups with Gray Haven. So uh, do you want to do you want to give us a? I, I mean, how do you normally pose that question? You know, it normally comes up naturally. We we do an activity where we create a superhero, and and then we discuss um, their powers and the ethics of using their powers. And a lot of the time, it just says like, you know, who appointed you? a superhero like who made you a superhero like what gives you the right to take the law into your own hands or to decide that you're going to intervene in world affairs because you're the only one who can do it and um you know it's like the sokovia accords uh-huh yeah in in the marvel cinematic universe that this idea that superheroes have their own agenda and they have these battles it, it comes up in jessica jones too that can cause all kinds of collateral damage, but it's supposed to be okay because they're fighting to save the world. And even if there's a superhero organization, it is sort of these beings that think they're in some way superior to the average human and that that gives them a moral right to, um, to supersede the law and to just take matters into their own hands. And that's not, it's not always clear that that moral right exists. And I find the idea of, you know, especially if we're dealing with um, mutants or aliens um, who, you know, like Superman, um, who are in some way, are, are in some way like a, a new breed or a superior breed of humans. Or that, you know, it's like, it, or in the wizarding world, um, you know, pe um, witches and wizards often think that they're better than, than muggles in Harry Potter. And um, that idea doesn't necessarily make sense because human beings without superhero, superpowers can be remarkably innovative and amazing problem solvers. And, you know, we can find our own solutions to problems rather than having someone do something on our behalf. Like, does that, is that somehow infantilizing um, everybody who doesn't have a superpower? Well, you know, the interesting thing about, uh, you brought up mutants, and I think that kind of mm -hmm. turns that on its head, because one of the things about mutants is that you may not be able to stop from intervening with things. Your powers may be such that, you know, just a simple bad day, you know, if you're just feeling in a bad mood, that it's gonna affect the weather. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're going to be in a in a storm. So I mean, there's, or or if you're a psychic, you you know your, you know your emotional state may affect everybody around you. You right, right. I, 
some of that stuff may be unavoidable, and if it's unavoidable, then the question sort of becomes, well, if if everything you do is going to affect the people around you, then, you know, perhaps positively or, or consciously trying to intervene in a in a in a positive way is I mean that's that's a really good choice uh, then you've got other people like Superman who is so powerful that the sheer act of not doing something is almost abusive you know I mean if if he can you know move faster than light he can basically be everywhere at once right. and you know he can hear everybody who's drowning in the world you know, how, you know, it would take him a split second to solve certain problems. Right. You know, is it immoral for him not to, to, to act? But when you're talking about collateral damage, I, you know, I was certainly thinking about like, well, you know, what if you're like the Hulk, you know, fighting somebody in the middle of New York city, uh, certainly, well, the Hulk is, a, is a whole different character. <laughs> in time, right? Is he really, Always a hero. That's the question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, it's interesting to to note that at least in the Marvel universe, I'm not sure if DC has something comparable. But in the Marvel universe, there's a, a agency called Damage Control, mm. which is all about rebuilding structures that have been damaged by superheroes. Does that save lives? You have to assume there's there's a high uh, level of. They don't talk about it much, but but you would think a lot of people would die in these right. these things right, but right but you look back at the origins of comics and and you know it comes from like professional wrestling in a lot of ways uh that was one of the inspirations for a lot of superheroes and the idea was that you're just going to get people to fight with colorful costumes and 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 garish you know conceptual ideas and you know I, at least for a long period of time there were a lot of battles in construction sites they're, you know, abandoned buildings, and they made a point of stating that. And I don't know that they do that so much anymore, because they wanted to make it more real, right? So it used to be that that, I don't think that was such a big deal, because they really just sort of assumed that, you know, nobody was getting hurt, uh, because it was just a gimmick to, to set it up, but... Terrence, what do you what are you thought? What are your thoughts? Well, on my this? my thoughts were, I mean, my first thoughts were, you know, Peter Parker. You know, the mm. that's, you know, just if you have the ability to do more than to help someone, um, not do not helping, you know, matters in that sense. I mean, you know, great power, great responsibility. Um, so it, there's a level of negligence if you have powers not to use them to help to help other people. But uh, I never thought of it as a I, and I do think someone like Superman, you know, who has such awesome power, I mean, he could really, like you said, infantilize all of the people <laughs> and yeah. make all of their decisions pointless. You know, no one would have any any control over their own lives because he would be making their decisions for them. So, I mean, I think there's a power scale there. Yeah. And if there were some committee or agency or organization, like S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess, that um, decided how to utilize superheroes, then would they just be like any other worker? Or would it be something like, uh, would they become like a tool and then they lose their agency? They lose, not to use the word agency again, <laughs> um, but they, yeah, they lose their autonomy. I mean, what would be the best way to for a society to use a superhero? And then would a superhero have national allegiances? Um, 
how would it work? Would the I mean, superhero's job be to prevent wars or to help win wars? And that's the big question about um, Captain America, I think, mm-hmm. honestly. When he, I mean, you, he's, he is America. He's the American superhero. And I mean, just him stepping foot on another, in another country, that's, Ameri- that's an American invasion of, you know, military force. So, uh, and he's, he's, he's been oftentimes at odds, though, with, with uh, right. you know, various agencies in the government. I mean, he's not synonymous with the government. I mean, even if he true, was originally true. a military creation. And in, in Hail Hydra, there's this um, moment where it's a little bit of a spoiler, but this um, divine being, this God, looks at him and he says um, something like, I... I see you, Steve Rogers, and one day you will be not just the champion of your country, but the champion of your whole world and and of many worlds and of all the beings in those worlds. And that gives me chills. I actually um, like to post that quote on Facebook every 4th of July because I think patriotism is such an overrated virtue. (laughs) And I love that um, Steve Rogers is this inherently moral person who transcends his origins. Well, that's but, his. That's his superpower is <laughs> super morality. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, so collateral damage, though i I mean, it's mostly property damage because you really don't hear a lot about people dying. You do occasionally, you know, something like Sokovia, um, but you know, there's not as much death as you would expect being caused by uh, superheroes. And it is, I mean, if it's a superhero and a supervillain or a superhero and some aliens attacking, it's these beings that are different than us and more powerful than us fighting their battle on our turf. And and that's sort of scary. It's like your storyline that you have. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's an occupying uh, force. Right. I mean, well, this is this isn't that much different, though, in this case with I mean, they're just two warring parties that happen to be using Earth as a as a battleground. And and that certainly happens during any world war or war that uh, takes place between two different countries that that superheroes are defending Earth. Yeah. 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 In theory, Mm -hmm. anyway. I know there was a in the comic books, the original the Civil War there if I'm not mistaken, was started because um, Speedball or someone, Speedball. I think it was the New Warriors. The, the New Warriors, not Speedball. But they uh, they ended up having some explosion from Nitro. Yeah, yeah, Nitro exploded and destroyed. And I don't know how Nitro got this like, powerful, but he destroyed like a small town or something like that. Yeah, city. yeah. Yeah, and that was why they decided to do. They decided uh, to regulate registration for all mm-hmm. of the heroes. And I mean, and that and was, then, you know, just collateral damage of. Yeah, the idea of humans having to register and register their abilities or, you know, any intelligent being. That's kind of creepy, too, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, yeah. It, it is, but it's, I mean, it really is a, and, and you know, when the, when it's set out in the comic books, it's put as a, you know, as a, a analogy for racism and, and, and whatnot. But, but, I mean, there is a... You know, when you do have somebody who can blow up a city block, uh, you know, with with just a, you know, if they're just in a bad mood. But, you know, what are what would be the ability to actually control people like that? I mean, you really are kind of at your. I mean, if you have gods that you're 
I mean, you know, it used to be that every town had their own god that they worshipped. Mm. And superheroes, you know, kind of are that prolific, or there are that many uh, superheroes in, in these superhero universes, that almost every town could have a superhero that they just sort of appealed to. And the way they dealt with them is they just tried to keep them happy. And then they would protect them from, you know, whatever bad stuff came around. I guess the question is, how do people coexist with other people who are so much more powerful? Yeah. Than they are? Well, it's like a billionaire and, and a, a wage worker. You know, what's, how are you, you know, how do you control that interaction? There's so many different, you know, if you're just, you just happen to be in the same coffee shop together. It could be a metaphor for privilege. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain things in life that I can do because I'm a straight, white, cis woman and that other people without those privileges can't do or experience or, um, you know, that life is just that much easier for me. And that's power. There's power in that. But what are the ways to actually mitigate that power? I, you know, when you're talking about these physical, these broad physical powers, I mean, there's, there's, you know, when, when we're talking about in the real world, there's, there's a certain amount of social influence that you can have. Mm -hmm. um, though money is such a powerful thing, right? Yeah. That is, it can be so overwhelming. I mean, if you, if you just offer somebody, it's like, uh, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a million bucks if you uh, shine my shoes or something. For a lot of people, that's going to be really hard to say no. Though, yeah. I don't know, if somebody actually offered that to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. You're not going to give me a million dollars to shine your shoes. Sorry. Yeah. sorry, go ahead. I would I would do it in a second. <laughs> yeah. um, and then my nonprofit would be really well funded. That's a good point. Um, yeah. And, you know, that actually, actually, um, that actually relates to the way that philanthropy works in this country. Because... Very a small group of very wealthy people do a lot of provide a a lot of the funding for nonprofits. So these people with the power of money get to decide what kind of good is done in the world and right. what isn't. What kind of problems we need to solve. And that seems like a really good um, superhero. Seem like a really good analogy for that. There is a superhero uh, who's called. Concrete, I think is his name, and we're almost out of, out of time here. But Concrete, it's a not really a superhero, but he's a he's a super powered character uh, in, in indie comics. And what he does is he takes letters from people. He takes people, uh, they write in and they say, "Hey, you know, I really need help with this. Would you be willing to help out?" And he considers them all, and then he'll go and he'll, and that's how he decides how to help people. Is he actually waits for them to get in touch, and and maybe that's the solution there. Is you. It is more like ph philanthropy. You're a super powerful person, and you have people apply, and then you do it. I like oh. that. As long as it's not like a grant application, because those are <laughs> a nightmare. Those are a nightmare. Five pages of, of, yeah. of information. <laughs> All right, we're out of time on the superhero sidebar, but we'd love to hear what you think. If you want to shoot us an email at heroicpod at gmail.com. Or if you just want to comment on uh, a post in social media when we post this episode, uh, we'd love to hear what you think about this issue. All right, but we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Heroic Origins Podcast. I'm Dave. 
And I'm Terrence, and we've been designing a brand new superhero, and I think we had a highly successful first half of our show. The the hero that we've come up with so far is Anastrophia, which is a cosmic entity that is merged with a human, and the cosmic entity is actually the goddess of rhetoric, and is part of a whole bunch of linguistic gods that exist in the, uh, the universe, these abstract entities. When using the power, she has a glowing third eye, and uh, our civilian is a professor of philosophy, and and that's that's pretty much where we've gotten. So I'm gonna we're gonna be on the clock here. We got ten minutes to finish up this character, starting now. All right. So what's the civilian's name? We decided it was Cassandra, I think. Yes. What's her last name? The one who is ignored is the name. The meaning of Cassandra. Um, maybe something. Oh, Kennedy means misshapen head. Did you know that? Oh. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Sorry. Those are first names. Those are first names, though. Those don't really count. So, uh, Do you want to give her a literary, like a Hemingway, or? A... Oh yeah, yeah. We can have or them. Like uh... a, philo a philosopher. Sure. What's a good? Oh, what's go. the? What's a good philosopher's last name? Uh, Rousseau. Cassandra Rousseau. Rousseau. I like Rousseau. Yes, Cassandra Rousseau. <laughs> okay. Uh, weird. All right, and she is a professor of philosophy. Okay, but we have cosmic emotional awareness is what's going on. Eloquence, uh, strong memory, empathy. What are some just general skills? The skills would just be... Uh, research, library skills. Re research, mm. researching, uh, cataloging. Cataloging. Uh, just logic. Yeah. Definitely logic. Uh, just profound thinking. She's very deep. Thinking, so critical thinking. Yeah. Are there any other uh, uh, non-academic skills that maybe uh, she has? What are her hobbies? I guess yeah, physically. Like, is she able? Is she, or does she? Is she in a wheelchair? You no, know, just spin. Yeah, I mean, is she? Is she just really like just in office space all the time, kind kind of you know, or is she, you know, a mountain climber who likes to think? You know, you know the person was a was bullied and could be. You know, there was this one movie I saw with Patton Oswalt, and uh, well, I, I don't want to go into the full details, but he was a guy that got severely brutalized uh, from a bullying incident, and he was uh, he was actually crippled from it i mean he actually yeah. had a limp and 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 i think he used like a cane and something like that i'm thinking if this person's sort of the result of bullying do we want to make an outward representation of that that psychological damage i mean the person well, could have like those like a cane or something uh and then when they transform into the superhero then they're don't need it anymore or something like that or maybe she just decided to get very mentally fit and very physically fit that's true. Go the other and direction. She have, yeah. But she could have a scar of some sort as a representation be. of the psychological damage. That could be, okay, a scar. Where would the scar be? Hmm. I think a head wound would be a good... Yeah. Just a scar on the cheek? Maybe oh, a scar in, like, where the third eye would be. But then oh, when she's using her superpowers... Yeah. Scar on the forehead. Becomes... That's yeah. kind of cool. Okay. Okay, scar on the forehead. So the background was... Real quick, we already have this. Basically, uh, she was she was bullied as a kid for being uh, 
for not having quick repartee, I guess. That's not maybe why she was bullied, but that's one of the... Yeah, maybe she was just bullied for, you know, her appearance or her size or for being studious, really very studious. And, um, but she only, uh, every time she was bullied, she would walk away and, of course, think of the perfect thing to say, but it was too late. I mean, I, I was just thinking we could go even further and just say that she had a stammer. I, I like that, actually. Okay. Yeah, and, and that because that gives a clear reason for being. She couldn't get it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, and then how did she get her powers? She how did yeah, she get exposed? Did, uh... Was it was it was it a radioactive uh, book of rhetoric? I mean, what was? <laughs> I guess what no, drew, I think drew she this was into just, I I I think she was just wishing really 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 hard or praying, and Anastrophia answered her prayer, and knew that this was the one person that was worthy of being her vessel. Well, so this would imply that even after she spent her life building up her physical and mental prowess, that Mm -hmm. she still was very insecure about this and she was still praying for something. Because I'm presuming that this is not something that came to her as a kid. Or is it? Well, how old is she now? Yeah, that's a good question. Is she she still a teen? Is she, um, you know just into college well actually we've already said she's a professor of philosophy yeah she's a yeah. professor she must have well, she could be like yeah, but a, did, but a did TA. she become a professor before or after she got the powers i guess maybe it happened you know when she was in college and then she raced through college and her graduate programs to become like the youngest ever professor of philosophy at yale or something i i really just because we're, we're dealing with classical books and stuff i think we got to pick an old philosopher and 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 she got it from something there. You know, maybe it was like Leonardo da Vinci's notes she was reading and, and somehow that got... Because doesn't he have that, like, those wings or something? I don't know. Or maybe yeah. it was Plato. It was, you know, Plato had the, you know, originally had the tale of Atlantis. Maybe he had the tale well, of Anastrophia. Because it sounds Greek, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, if she found some lost tome of, you know, philosophy that then, you know, in that instance, she then found Anastrophia and could make the you know make the prayer make the wish like oh i wish that this were all of this could happen to me or something then i mean epictetus would be good because let's do he it was Greek and he told stories and he was all about like self-mastery he was a stoic philosopher mm-hmm. uh he was born a slave yeah yeah that's great Ep- epictetus let's say that she she found a dusty forgotten tome yeah there was some sort of incantation in the story and she performed it and then, yeah, an- Anastrophia possessed her. I like it. All but right. Consensually. <laughs> well, sure, sure. Okay, we got. We're about down to two minutes here. So, okay, psychology. Um, what's the? What's her main purpose? It's. I mean, because it sounds up to this point like she wants to. As personally, she's just trying to prove herself, and that's why she's been building up her her physical and mental prowess. But as a so her goal as a civilian may be that she's just trying to, to prove herself worthy or, or gain self-esteem. Does that sound about right? Just as a personal goal? Whereas the heroic thing would be to actually maybe do something different. I don't know. What, what are her, what's her psychological motivation? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think to prove herself. But then I think the more she learned, the more she just became um, a pursuer of truth. So she's just really interested in the truth. And I think truth. like okay. heroically, 
Like if you think about what you could do with the ability to say the right thing, you could comfort, you could stop a war, you could, so, you know, you could persuade. So is she out to basically, I mean, we're living in an, an era of misinformation. Is she right. out to basically cut through the misinformation and, and get people on the same page? I love that. Her enemy is social media. <laughs> okay, real quick here. I, you know, social significance. Have we come up with social? We've got 24 seconds left. Do we, do we feel like we're good on social significance that she's she's kind of dealing yeah. with those issues? Okay. Yes. Arch nemesis, I think, is the last thing. Do we want to make it some sort of, and we may have to brainstorm this after you leave, Kelly, but uh, the arch nemesis, is it going to be a social media type Yeah, of... I think it should be Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Or some Mark Zuckerberg-like person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh -oh. exactly. Okay, we're out of time. Now, normally, we would have a lightning round, and you've got a couple more minutes here if you want to stick around for the lightning round where we... I can stick around for the lightning round. So I think we're, we're good on everything except for... Yeah. Oh, well, equipment. We're going to do a lightning round here on Arch Nemesis, and if we need to, we'll do it on, on equipment. But the first one, we are on the clock now. Two minutes to talk about Arch Nemesis. So I, I don't know if we want to make it Mark Zuckerberg per se, but I think a social media-themed supervillain makes a lot of sense. What you if know, it's a shadow organization behind the social media? And then you've got like this like, uh, uh, Illuminati. What was yeah. it? Was Analytica? Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> so what would be a... What's, let's not use Cambridge Analytica, but something similar to that. What would be like... Uh, It'd be Oxford uh, 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 Annalisa. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I like the that could be the name of Oxford Annalisa is like is just a because you know the thing with superheroes is that you basically take take more abstract things and you personify them, right? So, mm. I mean, this could be the name. It could be a person named Oxford Annalisa. Um, that that may be too silly. I don't know. Or something but, that means disinformation. But something it's somebody the opposite. Of, oh yeah, let's okay. name meaning liar. Yeah. Ninety-five evil <laughs> baby names. <laughs> wow, we're coming up with all sorts of cool <laughs> names meaning deceit or liar. Oh, that's even like the first one that comes up. And we're that's an English name. Cosby. Cosby. <laughs> uh, Dolion. Jacoba or Loki. Oh, that'd be kind of. We could have Loki. a Loki. We could have like, uh, like, uh, you know. Okay, we're we're down to twenty five seconds. But Lu <laughs> uh, Luciana Loki or something like that, or or Lana. Or quick, just go with Cosby. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Cosby. Uh, you want to go with Cosby? Yeah. Cosby, yeah. Oh, that, geez, that brings me. in so many. What about what about Annalisa Cosby there? <laughs> There we go. That's such a bad name. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we can do it. I think Annalisa Loki would make more sense, personally. Whatever the case, uh, I'm not sure we decided on I guess Cosby. I was outvoted. <laughs> Annalisa Cosby. Okay. Okay. And, and that's person basically just creating disinformation. Okay, let's go up to uh, equipment. We got two minutes for equipment starting now. I like the idea of having some sort of tome. I mean, maybe that maybe yeah. that text of Ep Epictetus has a yes. lot of stuff in it. Last manuscript, and then yeah. I think like just um, a microphone, a laptop. <laughs> oh sure, 
That makes yeah. sense. Well, a whole like a podcast. Who knows? Uh, but a yeah, podcast, like a, yes. Actually, you, that's a question. Does she? Uh, does she like stand in front of crowds and and use this power? Or does she use hey. social media to her own advantage? You know, I I think like she's very aware of her persuasive ability and the responsibility that comes with that. That she could just take over the world and have people do her bidding, but she doesn't mm -hmm. want to do that. She wants truth. So I think she persuades people to use good reasoning skills and do research. So I like the idea of her using social media, having a podcast. Well, so yeah, a blog. She's a blog. <laughs> I like how how similar that 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 occupation is to the character from last episode. So actually, yeah, oh. the last, our last. Maybe they're partners. Maybe the they actually are TikTok buddies. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, so that so carries around the lost manuscript of Epictetus, and maybe there's a whole bunch of other incantations in there, and make and make appeals right. to other uh, gods and goddesses of linguistics. Yes. Um, <laughs> is Epictetus a linguistic uh, oriented god? Is Epictetus? Um, Epictetus. Um, yeah. No, not really. I wonder if there's a more real. Uh, I mean, he definitely used like rhetorical methods to teach. Um. Yeah, that's true. So that's like, that's maybe that's all that needs to be. I was just thinking maybe there there might be one that's more thematic. But we're down to eight seconds, so we're good. I think we covered that. Right. And I th I'm going to say we beat the clock. We beat the clock. All Yay! right, Kelly, <laughs> you are you are free to go. So you're only two minutes late for your other thing. But uh, why don't you do a plug for Grey Havens? Well, Grey Havens philosophy is a P for C or philosophy for children and communities nonprofit. The idea is that everyone is a philosopher and because everyone asks themselves big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Is this fair? Um, what should I do for a living? Um, you know, is this job ethical? Um, am I being a good friend? These are all philosophy questions. These are all philosophical questions. Um, and kids especially are natural philosophers. Um, I had a philosophy story time and a, an elementary age philosophy discussion, and I'm heading out to a sixth through 12th grade philosophy discussion. Um, and the wonderful thing about our programs is that they're year round, except for when we do go into schools and the kids grow up with us. So they grow up learning to think critically and creatively and collaboratively and compassionately. The four C's we like to talk about which is very important. And we also do community philosophy so that people learn to think of philosophy as something that just naturally happens, that it's normal to have um, what P4C practitioners call a, a community of inquiry, a healthy community of philosophical inquiry, um, which gives you a chance to talk about the things that really matter. And it helps you to be a more engaged citizen. It helps you to avoid high-risk behaviors to just make better decisions and to live a more authentic and fulfilling life. And it's a really humanizing um, experience to do philosophy with people who are different from you. Um, you start to see that everybody wrestles with these big questions. And it's a joy to get to do this as my job um, because I love hearing that the incredibly profound things that people say. Um, just very quickly, I know I've gone on a lot, but um, the P4C philosophy for children and communities movement exists to um, 
correct an epistemic injustice. And epistemic is, I means having to do with knowledge. And the idea is that it's, um, it's a, an injustice that is constantly perpetuated that only certain people's ideas are worth hearing. That it's not worth hearing from children. It's not worth hearing from um, residents in a homeless shelter. It's not worth hearing from people who aren't professional philosophers. And I can say that that's absolutely not true, which is why I love my job. If people want to find out more about Greyhavens, where, where, where should they go? Um, they can um, go to our website, um, greyhavensgroup.org. That's G-R-E-Y havensgroup.org. They can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and um, uh, we're online now because of the pandemic. Um, all of our programs are currently online and they can register for programs on Eventbrite. Just search for Grey Havens, G-R-E-Y, Havens Philosophy at eventbrite.com. Kelly Cowling, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I think we came up with a really interesting hero. So yes, I really appreciate you, yes. you joining us today. I would like to read her adventures. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. All right. You might help us help, help write her adventures too. We'll, we'll see. So, all right. <laughs> Welcome back, True Conceivers. If you're just joining us, this is the Heroic Origins Podcast. I'm Terrence. And I'm Dave. And we've been designing a brand new superhero. Let's summarize what we've got. Cassandra Rousseau was bullied as a child for her stammer. She spent her teenage years honing her mind and body to overcome her insecurities and to develop the eloquence to thrive. While working on her graduate thesis, she uncovered a forgotten manuscript by the ancient philosopher, Epictetus. After reciting an arcane passage, she was infused with the powers of Anastrophea, goddess of rhetoric, and member of a cosmic pantheon of linguistic deities. Since then, she uses her powers of cosmic emotional awareness as a champion of truth to combat the purveyors of misinformation. That's the character we just came up with, and thanks to Kelly Cowling for helping brainstorm the creation of uh, Anastrophia. So now, we got to figure out how we're tying this character into uh, the overarching story, our robots versus aliens, and we got five minutes to do that. So we are on the clock, five minutes. Well, first off, she's another character who um, uses her uh, media contact and does media a lot, just like... Uh, Akna Phillips from Akna last Phillips, week, you know, slug puppy, slug puppy. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there there could be some synergy between them, definitely. Well, are they? You know, you know, you know. Previously, last last season, we 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 ended up revolving around Chicago. Why not a revolve around Alaska this time? I mean, do we want to have this as a this could be a friend of hers, maybe, or if you know, I mean, they're around. They're they're within a few years of each other because because would be what eighteen. I thought that we had Akna around nineteen, and we. 19. I mean, she would. I mean, this would be postgraduate school. I mean, yeah, but post- oh well, she's a professor too. We, all, yes, we also yes. decided that she's she earned her powers and but the, she could actually be a teacher. She could actually be a teacher right, of Akna's. Right. In fact, it would make sense because there's well, but Akna's not in college. Is she in college yet? I forget now. <laughs> Did she get to college? I know that she was not in class. I thought that she was still in high school and she would have been in classes well, for the pandemic. She would be out and of the alien invasion. But if she's 19, she would, wouldn't she be, she could be in high school still. 
Okay, it looks like Akna had a private tutor who uh, fathered her child, but, you know, she comes from a rich family. It's possible she had multiple private tutors, and, and maybe they hired uh, Cassandra to be one of her tutors, maybe. I mean, that's that's possible. I thought that I thought of Akna more as a, a roving reporter because of her family's money, and that's the reason that she wasn't tied down to a school. So, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Though I mean, Alaska like would be an interesting like place. Kid. Alaska would be an interesting place to have like a, you know, a battle for you know, or to be stationed during a battle. But but where where do you think she's? I guess we didn't talk about where uh, Cassandra would be. Well, I was thinking if she was at one of these um, spots where the Lyceum have come down and created a. Um, they're occupying all the universities. Yeah, they're occupying all the universities. Right. right. And so uh, she was a professor at one. So she was like a professor at Berkeley or something like that. I guess, yeah, what's a great uh, literary or a philosophy, I guess, who has the best philosophy department, Dave? <laughs> I have no idea. Let's see. <laughs> Harvard, New York University, <laughs> UC Berkeley. I mean, Berkeley, Hey, there you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So why don't we say yeah, Berkeley? Yeah, Berkeley. And then she's on the West Coast with Akna Phillips, at least. So Yeah, they're at least on the West Coast. Yeah. So, uh, but you don't want to have any relationships between the two? Well, I would think, you know, perhaps their media franchises may, you know, maybe well, one is a guest on the other's podcast. Well, that's and... the thing. It's like you have these networks. Yeah. that, that kind of, But is she a proper podcaster? She's probably too old for TikTok. So yeah, I would she's not, probably yeah. a proper podcaster, do, like, you know, audio podcasts and whatnot. Okay. But, but she's, that... she's, but, but her, how does she relate to the aliens and the robots? I mean, is she on either side? Is she, does she decide, does she like the Lyceum? Does she, or is she trying huh? to fight against both of them? Well, I guess the Lyceum though, their main, one of their main things is to come down and say, Hey, we've come to give you knowledge while at the same time, they're taking away your free will. Right. So maybe her cutting through the truth is finding out what their real motives and motivations mm -hmm. are. It, we we touched I think the the idea that maybe the Lyceum actually worships her pantheon. Oh yeah, they could yeah that could be a part of their culture definitely. Yeah, I mean if they're they're an education based uh, empire, <laughs> so <laughs> but but that may not be revealed. I mean, what if it's like, so what if it like their goddess has come to punish them? I mean, yeah, that could be you know that I mean it's a it's a god, so it knew they, what was going on and. That may be why it came to Earth, yeah. So it may have actually just came along because their culture came to Earth that they brought along their gods and goddesses, their right. pantheon, and one, except that this happened recently and this person has had the powers for a while. Hmm. But that's Oh, except the Doyen's been on the planet yeah, for a while. Yeah, that's time. what I was going to say, except that, you know, this has been foretold. That, so that they, they may have been manipulating things. So so are we saying that this god is, it, uh, uh, this goddess is actually Contra? The Lyceum? It or... could be. Yeah, I mean, that's... Okay, well, we got an alarm, but yep, you know what? I feel like another five <laughs> minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter this. <laughs> got another five minutes on the clock here. I mean, I think that, you know, definitely having, you know, I mean, I think of their gods. I mean, I, I tend to think of the gods as forces of nature and maybe not really beholden to one will. I mean, you have the, your gods like um, Thor and those, but I think this more of like a phoenix force where it's... And this could be well, but this could also be a, a a pantheon that's worshipped by. It may not just be the Lyceum. It, it could be a cosmic pantheon that that the uh, Museum of, of Celestial History is also 
that that anomaly sure. is aware sure. of as well. So it, it could be, yeah. So they may not be specifically beholden to the Lyceum, but the Lyceum, just because it's one of their central pantheons, there that that just got them ultimately more involved with Earth, which right. hadn't previously been there. So, I guess if the whole purpose is to cut through misinformation, then there would be something at odds with the Lyceum if the Lyceum is using misinformation. Right, right. Stratoplex is probably a little bit more brute force, but the Lyceum would actually be trying well, to convince also, people. There's also a few questions about the, the Stratoplex's ultimate endeavors as well, aren't there? I mean, they we assume that what they're telling everyone is the truth, but we don't know that. They're from the That's future. true. We don't know exactly why they've come back from the future to to do this. So... Yeah, and we're not one hundred percent sure if they're on the side of humans or against humans, or they're on. They're, they just don't care one way or the other. Right. I mean, the yeah. obvious threat is the Lyceum, who are you know taking over colleges, right? And mm -hmm. and the Stratoplex are taking over things, but in order to fight the Lyceum. So I get. I feel like that's yeah. a little different. There, they are right. taking over. You know, but they. But to the the standard, I think this is the thing for the for the the average civilian they may not be able to make the distinction all they see is they've got sure. these robots that are taking over factories and the technology uh business technological businesses the tech sector and then you see the universities being taken over by these aliens and of course they're all going to say we're good guys right right so they don't but really then actually know. also you know just looking at them don't the lyceum present more as humans whereas you know the Stratoplex are are robots. No, I think we decided that the uh, I think we decided the Lyceum is actually a whole bunch of different aliens. They're they're a mix. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I I I but I think the thing is that that's what uh, our our heroine here, Anastrophia. <laughs> this is what Anastrophia would deal with is like trying to cut through the you know trying to sift or. Figure out the truth from the fiction, sort of cut through the truth so, from the yeah. fiction. So that's and I think Yeah. In that then I think that she would find, you know, um common ground with Akna in that sphere of media where they're both trying to, you know, report on what's happening and get to the truth. This is interesting that we've come up with two heroes that are fighting fake news <laughs> <laughs> that are that are basically just trying to, to to bring the truth to people they're journalists i mean we got we got two citizen journalists here and uh okay well so that's yeah. the, we're, we're building up a media core yeah <laughs> a news core to to fight this 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 war and it's interesting the idea that the the war this is important because wars are fought not just physically but they're they're fought through propaganda as well right right so i i think that's fascinating okay well why don't we just say that that's the uh, do you think we got it there we got uh we yeah, got the basic yeah. idea of how they're connecting to the story all right, right. Then i think we beat the well we didn't beat the clock we we lost the <laughs> clock quite a bit but we beat the we second beat, clock we beat the second clock <laughs> we beat the overtime all right well that's our superhero for the episode uh but we want to hear from you true conceivers what did we get right what did we get wrong what are some ways to add depth to the character? What are some possible storylines? Email us at heroicpod at gmail.com and we'll read your feedback on upcoming episodes. We'll be posting our own sketches of this new character in our social media, but we'd love to see how you'd envision them. If you want to share your artwork, 
Look up Heroic Origins on Facebook or Instagram and post them there. Or Twitter. We're also on Twitter. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's a wrap. But keep on hero smithing, true conceivers, and we will see you next week on Heroic Origins. Fop!